Hey everyone, this is Gavin. Hey everybody, this is Todd. And I'm Craig. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 124 of the Majors Mess All podcast. We are back again. We've got, uh, we got uh, Todd and uh, Craig with us. Uh, hola. Craig, do you do that on purpose, answer so boring, or are you just genuinely don't, don't care? It's like a fed up, hey. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> anyway we, we do have a guest. The guest is, uh, we've had him on before. It's the lead singer of The Alarm, Mike Peters. Came back on, he's got a new album out. His new album's called Stream, Stream Hurricane of Change. And um, it's a really interesting album. It's like uh, it's basically taking two albums from the Alarms uh, back catalogue, two of the most popular al- albums of theirs, and he's reworked the songs, and then in between each track, he is like a spoken word thing. So it tells a story in a way, and uh, it's really interesting. So he comes on to talk to us about that. So we have that coming up shortly. That's with uh, me and Kelly again, because, again, it was, uh, it was during a time when Todd had to work, so she stepped in. And uh, yeah, we spoke to him for like 30 minutes today. So uh, yeah, we got that coming up. Uh, but before we play that, we're going to do a quick catch up with the boys, see how everyone has been up to. So let's start off with Craig. How have you been, Craig? Same old work, boring. N- not <laughs> nothing new, no. Uh, no. Uh... Okay, so last time we spoke to you, you'd upset one of the patients because, as everyone knows, you work in the hospital making tea and uh, giving out biscuits. Do you give out biscuits? I haven't got any on my wall at the moment. Ah, okay, so he makes tea for the patients. So um, any run-ins? With Even though if when I do have biscuits, we they are stored away, but there's the same times like a lie. So I was like, uh, no, we haven't. Oh, Why do you lie? Why? <laughs> Why? Well, they're all they're all tucked up in the cupboard, right at the top of the wall, and I don't. No one stores them in the tea trolley, so I can't be bothered. So I just say, "No, nah, I don't get any." Jesus Christ! These people are ill. Some of them dying, and like their only joy in in the day is getting a cup of tea and a biscuit, and you can't even be bothered. You no, know, cup of tea is all they get. <laughs> So for those Americans that don't know what we're talking about, a biscuit is is a cookie. Basically, we call we call them uh, biscuits in the UK, but it's just a cookie, different oh, okay. kinds. So it's not like what you'd have with chicken and gravy and stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah. So is there any run-ins, Craig, with any patients this week? No. Uh, so the thing is, a few weeks ago, uh, I'm I'm originally on Ward Twenty, but something happened on my wall, like a leak. And there's this new thing going around the hospital. I can't tell you what the word is. It's like another, it's like another infection, but involves being in the water. In the water. Yeah, it's oh. like a, it's like a name. It's like a, like a, like a dirty thing that's in the water. So, <laughs> in certain, in certain like wards, like through the tap, so you can't like wash your hands or drink it or anything like that. But it's getting kind of like it's getting investigated. So my wall had like a leak, 
So we had to move to Ward 1 on ground floor. So I've been there for like uh, three weeks, maybe, three or four. Yeah, that's shit, and, uh, that ward. It's fucking small and it's really boring. It's <laughs> like, I'm getting through all my jobs, but because it's dead small, I'm kind of like running out of things to do. So I'm just like plotting along. And even the staff, we, we haven't had many patients on this week. Like today, we only had about seven patients. So the staff were even struggling to find things to do because they were just sitting around and I was like trying to think, find things to do. So it's been like boring this week, really. So, so this thing, this thing in the water, you don't, you don't remember what it was. They keep saying this. It's like E. coli. Like, no, it's, it begins with L, like Legion or something like that. Legionnaire. Oh, Legionnaire's disease. Legionnaire's disease is an airborne yeah. disease. I'm not changing your filters, like. Um... Yeah, I think it's that. Oh, okay. For fuck's sake. But, since you're all bored and you got all this extra time, you can go find some biscuits and give them out to your residents. Well, generally on the ward that I'm on right now, there actually isn't any biscuits. Oh, jeez. You wouldn't believe it, like, because I used to do what he does. I used to work on the dialysis ward, and they, and they when you give them a cup of tea, they, because they're hooked up to dialysis, they have to keep their like their blood sugars at a certain level. So you have oh, to, sure. they have to have cookies and stuff like that as like part of the thing. So, but there's that many selection of fucking different cookies. That like you've got oh I'll I'll have a bourbon and it's like we've got no bourbons left we've only got custard creams oh I don't want a custard cream all right well we've got jammy dodgers do you want to go go on I'll have a jammy dodger then oh can I have a packet of uh, digestives as well oh, for fuck's sake honestly there's like there's so many <laughs> different kinds patients on that ward yeah they, they, because they're there every day they're the same people every day they go, they come have their stuff and they go home they get they have the dialysis and they leave and then they come back again the next day. And uh, because of because of that, they they're very comfortable. So they they'll just tell you what they think. If they're not happy, they'll tell you. And like yeah, they feel like they're at home and they just yes. bark and go like, hey, yeah, yes. fetch this for me. Exactly. So. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was actually liked on my watch when I left. The person who replaced me was Craig. So it was a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of an adjustment for them, shall we say? We put that nicely. <laughs> kind of like when I did transport at my job when I worked at Ross Manor and and drove the van, took people to appointments, and whenever um, I had a day off and I'd come back and someone would look at me and they'd go, oh, good, you're here today. You're taking me to my appointment. And I'd say, yeah. And they go, that other guy that takes us to appointments, he's not very social. He just stand, like sits there and we stare at the back of his head and we try to talk to him and he just turns the radio up. And I just, I laugh and I go, yeah, that sounds like him. Because... <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, ah, oh, I don't want to fucking talk to these people. I just want to get them to their appointment. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Just a different way of approaching it, I guess. Exactly, yeah. There were some funny times. I, I loved working there. It was a, We used to do, there was a night shift where in the whole building, I don't know why they did it like this, but there's only one cleaner in the whole building at night time. Just one. That's it. And your job is, like, you're, you, you get a radio or, like, a, a beeper. And when they need, just go and do a wash down, which is, you know, when a patient moves, you go in and clean the room. And they'll, sure. give, they'll give you a call. And you, you get some nights where there's nothing, so you, you don't have to do anything. Like, as in, no extra jobs. But your, your, your main jobs are cleaning all the stairwells and the, the lifts, you know, the elevators. Those are your jobs. And, um, and each floor has a lobby, so you've got to clean the lobbies on each floor. So it doesn't take all night to do that. Like, you can get it done in, like, four or five hours. So you, you've got a lot of time to kill. And then... Um, 
Hold on, cat's fucking eating plastic again. Stupid idiot. Um, and I managed to like, I would be so cheeky with the supervisors. I'd just tell them like, I, I don't know how I managed to get away with it, but I would just say, um, I'll do a night shift, but I want a meal ticket. And they'd be like, well, you don't get a meal ticket. You've got to, you have to work over a certain amount of hours. And I said, well, I'm not sure won't do it then. And I'd, I'd wait till last minute to say that. So they, they didn't have a choice. They'd have to give me a meal ticket. So I'd get a meal. It basically just allows you a meal, a hot meal in the staff canteen on the second floor. So I, <laughs> I used to get get that for free. And then I also had the... This is the fucking best part, man. My job in the daytime on my normal shift was cleaning a, a, an area called nurses' training. It's gone now. But it was basically just classrooms, and it was where the nurses go, you know, the trainee nurses go to learn stuff. And uh, there was offices and stuff on there, and it was a great place to work because I used to work there on my own, and you just take your time, you listen to music, do whatever you want. It was, it was really good. It's only a three-hour shift to start with. And I used to keep the keys off that shift and then keep them for me night shift, even though I was supposed to hand them back in, I used to keep them. So then I'd literally on my night shift just go on nurses training and just sit in one of the rooms and like just chill out in, in, one, in one of the, uh, like they had like their own um, like staff room there with like a fridge and a microwave and stuff. And do you remember that, Craig? The couches and stuff. Yeah. We used to just go and chill in there. And I also managed to, it was supposed to be a one person thing. And I used to get my other friend, Steve, and then other times it'd be Craig. I'd say to them, well, I'm not doing it on my own, I need to have someone with me. And they'd go, no, it's just a one-man job. And I'd say, yeah, but, you know, I could get more done if he come, if he helps me, we can buff the floors, we can use the machines, and, you know, you'll get more you'll get more out of me if he works. And I'd basically, they just, I don't know what it was, they just used to give in to me. So then I'd have Craig working with me, so the two of us just on a night shift, getting paid double time to literally just sit down and do absolutely fuck all. I, used, I, I took, oh, yeah. a, took a few photos of Craig asleep, actually. I'll have, to, I'll have to post them on our socials. It's just Craig lying on a couch on double time, lying there asleep. Well, yeah. But Might no, as well we, get paid to sleep. Yeah. No, but it was, I mean, we we did work as well, but it was it was a good place. It was a good place to work. So I missed that. That was probably my, fa- my favorite job that I've had, like, was just doing that. Like, it was just nice to hang out with my friends and get paid for it, basically. So, um, oh, yeah. And how have you been, anyway, Todd? I've been good. Uh, work has picked up. Um, because everything's kind of opening back up. So like Bar Harbor and all the tourist areas that were mandated to stay shut, um, they're all opening for the tourists to come. So everybody's ordering their beer and their sodas and their wines. So I've worked close to 60 hours this week uh, filling orders. I go in at like 5 o'clock now, and I've been getting out anywhere between like 4.30 and 5 a.m. all week. Crazy. Yeah. Sucks, but, uh, you know pays the bills how far away is bar harbor from you uh it's i think about 35 40 miles but it, you, know, you can get there in 45 50 minute drive yeah, i've been de- there depending cool. on it depends on the lights in ellsworth and the traffic in ellsworth because you got to go through at least that's the way i go i go yeah. through ellsworth to get there so and what about okay. um, what about camden how far away is that uh camden's about two hours southeast of here i think it's just i was good because i i used to i used to date to get where we were engaged actually used to be with somebody that lived moved to she was from there moved to pennsylvania and that's where i lived with her but then she did move back to maine and that that's where she moved back to was i think she was from rockport but she, she like she okay lived, she lived in in uh, camden and there's a, there's a campground there and that's if their family like managed the campground and i i just think like oh because you would have been this is like 2008 so you would have been there 
Oh yeah, I was there uh, since 2004. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that's what, funny enough, that's when I met her, but that was in Pennsylvania. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's just funny thinking how close I was to you then, but didn't know you. It's, right. it's weird when you think about it like that. Even even Dina now, like my wife now, like just being in, in Maine, it's not that far away from where she was. And then, you know, being from the UK and then to actually meet each other. And it's just weird when I think about things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is weird because like when I first started chatting with Heather, we, we met on the Internet yeah. um, in, a, in a chat room. And she um, was living in Nebraska with her ex-fiance and we were just chatting as friends and i talked to her for probably close to a year before we actually met in person and i knew that she was like done with her ex and totally over him and all that um so then she moved back up to maine and then i i basically made a joke and said yeah I'll just pack up my shit move to maine we should get married and settle down and she was like yeah okay and then i was like <laughs> shit nah, nah, nah. now i either gotta be a really big douchebag and be like no nah, i'm just joking <laughs> oh. Or pack up all my shit and move to Maine and get married and settle down, which is what I did. And 16 years later, here we are. So I guess it was fate in a way. Yeah. You but yeah, you kind of you, you've gone too far to go back now, haven't you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's not like I can put the kids back. I mean, Evan's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> He's like 150, 160 pounds now. So. Wow. Yeah, no, it's just funny when you think about it like that. Like, I mean. We may have even crossed paths. You just don't. You, you could have been, you know, when I was in Bar Harbor. You might, you might have been there that day. You just don't know. Like it's, right. it's weird when you, you think have, about it. Just saw you in a shop and just been like, "Hey, what's up?" Hey, and just like, you yeah, know, yeah, exactly. Would have never known. And of course, I wouldn't remember something like that because why the hell would you remember something like no, that? Well, like, so. and you see, like sometimes I've seen like on on the internet, you see like these little posts come up, and it's like a photograph of like you know, a, a little boy and a, and a girl, like, in the background, like, not part of the photo. She's just, it's a holiday photo of the boy, his parents talking, there's a little girl in the background, and it turns, you know, it, it turns out that that girl actually ends up being his wife, and they don't realise that until so many years later after being married, you get the old photos out, and they go, oh, my God, that's you in the background? You were there with your family that day? You know what I mean? Like, I've seen I've seen that a couple of times. It's just, oh, yeah. It's amazing when you think about it, like, actually crossing paths and not realising that you've, you've met somebody you're going to end up, end up with or be really good friends with. Right. Well, it's just crazy how shit works out because if you would have looked at me 20 years ago uh, when I was, you know, 25 and said, you're going to pack up all your shit when you're 29, move to Maine, get married and have kids, I'd, I would have laughed and been like, I don't even know where Maine is. What are you talking about? Like, I, I, I don't like the cold weather, so I sure as hell wouldn't have been interested in moving north. I would have moved south before I moved north, but, you know, it's just... I've adapted and learned how to live my life in five feet of snow, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's de- it is you, what it is. Yeah, you, you definitely get used to it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so we are going to go through to our interview now with, with uh, Mike Peters, and then we'll we'll pick it up again afterwards. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, our interview with the lead singer of The Alarm, Mike Peters. Hey, what's cracking, y'all? It's your boy, J-Rock. Here we go. And you're listening to Major's Meth Hall Podcast. Hi, Mike. It's Gavin. How are you? I'm all right. So I don't know if you remember, but we spoke last year. Right you before, did? Right before or after the, the last album that you guys released. So, uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to talking to you again because 
that uh, that chat we had last time was uh, just from our listeners alone. You know, they said it was a very inspirational and inspiring conversation that we had with you. So oh, that's nice. So the pressure's on, Mike, for, for us to get another one out of you now. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we come up with this time. Exactly. So there's actually um, Kelly's. Kelly's some of, some of Kelly's family is from Wales. Where whereabouts are they from, Kel? So um, my fa- my dad's side is from Mould. So they actually met oh, great, yeah. my parents did. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so like my mum and dad. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. They did. They met in real, but they didn't. They lived in real. <laughs> they moved to Mould. Oh, it was a hot spot, wasn't it, for um, holiday in in real back in the day. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I was always there. I, it was the Sun Centre. I think that's closed now, hasn't it? Yeah. We've got a new one now, the Sunset SC2. Oh, it's back again, is it? Oh, okay. We'll have to go yeah, up there then with location. the kids. Yeah, I used to love it. Some great there memories of being there as a kid. Yeah, we'll have to I'll have to take my kids there now. Brilliant. So, how are you making out with this lockdown? Then I, I know that you've been very busy, but um, are, you, are you driving your family up the wall, or are they driving you up the wall? I know mine are driving me up the wall. <laughs> no, we're, we're not too bad here because we, we we've got a lot of uh, outdoor space around us. In the in visit, we have got the mountain to ramble over and and the, the lanes and down to the stream above the waterfall. So we're we're, we're quite blessed in some ways, and uh, we've made the most of it. And uh, wife's really good at Jules is brilliant at, at homeschooling the, the lads, and they they're quite receptive. And you know, I've been fired as a music teacher a few times, of course, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I've been demoted to PE. We <laughs> play lots yeah. of football and guitar and drums with them, and. Uh, keep them going and and uh you know i've got a studio down at the bottom of the waterfall so i've been able to walk down to there and um you know do some writing and express myself there and and then we've also been hosting the big night in broadcasts every week since lockdown started from our living room and that's given us a focus every week to have a, a big show that goes out on the internet with hundreds of thousands of viewers and thousands of comments to respond to and content to create lots of videos to make and deciding on what songs to play so it's been uh, quite quite uh, an experience the whole of the lockdown really and that's you and your wife Jules that do the, the big night in isn't it that's right yeah so so what I haven't actually I've seen it afterwards but not live so what's the uh, just to explain to our listeners what's the concept of the big night in well it's like a chat show uh, based around the alarm community and so I, I I've got a jukebox in the house. We call it the jukebox stage. So I always play a song by the jukebox. Then we have, we talk, uh, we create videos. We take people down into the archive of the alarm, which is pretty extensive. And we pull out some things people have never seen before. Uh, we've had the, all the original and current members of the alarm on the show. Everybody's made an appearance and talked about their times and good times and, um, and, and create a lot of insight for the fans. We've had guests on from, other bands like then Jericho, Spandau Ballet, um, Ian McNabb's been on, and, uh, and all sorts of people. And, and, uh, and we've had our music promoters on. We, we've talked to people in the music industry about how they see the lockdown. We, in fact, we had John Giddings come on the show, who's the promoter for Isla White Festival, and he, he came on to talk about the music industry. And while he was on, he, he asked if the alarm would come and play Isla White in 2021 so uh, oh, wow. <laughs> we've got a massive gig out of being on doing the big night in and wow. uh Amazing. you know we're celebrating the alarm's 40th anniversary next year 
40 so, years, you know, wow. We've, we've been taking a lot of people into on that journey of where it all started and, and where it's heading. And um, you know, we were going on the BBC this week. BBC picked up on it. We've had the show featured on CNN News and Sirius XM in America and, and with you guys. So it's it's getting, the word's getting around about what we're doing. So it's been the... Uh, it's been good. It's kept our community really together and 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 uh, giving them people a lot of fun along the way. Oh, that's amazing! Great bit of um, free promotion there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so your album um, Hurricane of Change is actually released today, I believe. Um, you give us an insight to each track by introducing it. What made you want to go with that concept? Well, that, that started in the studio, really, as, because um, it was such a vast project. I, I thought it would it um, needed a story to connect it all together, and so that, that I would read that story out to the musicians in the studio. I'm a record producer, George Williams, and and um, I started with the opening paragraph, and then we recorded the next song, and and I wouldn't tell them what where the story was going till they got there, and and so. They were able to respond musically to the story as it developed without seeing the whole sphere and arc of the story uh, to influence them. It was just on a song-by-song basis. And, and then George said to me, look, Mike, this story's more important than you realise. It's not just allowing us an insight into the music, but you've got to put it on the record to take people who are listening in the outside world. It's a great way for them to come on the same journey with you that you're, you're undertaking through this song musically, ly- lyrically, and, and through the life story that uh, it's been derived from. So this this new album, Stream, Hurricane of Change, is, am I right by saying this is previously released tracks from two of the most popular Alarm albums that you've redone? Uh, well, it's, it, the songs the songs are from those albums, from either Hurricane and Change, but they're, they're re- reimagined completely from the ground up in two for for twenty twenty, um, everything's been recorded from scratch, and and that's really what what's a process that started when when we hit our thirtieth anniversary in two thousand eleven. Sort of embarked on a series of remaking or reimagining, as we call it, all the original songs, and uh, and, and and recording them as if they'd just been written in that same day. Yes, uh, you know the, the original recordings are a timestamp of your life, of a moment in time, really. And uh, it, I'm sure any artist would say, if you recorded the songs two days later, you'd probably take a different approach. And uh, and that's how the songs evolve and develop with you as you as you go through your life as an artist. So I really wanted to look at all the songs, see how they stood up in the modern day and age, and um, and and the either hurricane songs. And, and the mix to the change album was was a massive catalogue of music, thirty nine songs, and um, because I also wanted to include some songs that made sense of the story that that were were not picked up by the alarm back in the day. You know, we we, we ended up in quite a um, a troubled period in nineteen eighty six eighty seven. It, it was the mid middle of the decade. Life had changed for all of us as individuals and 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 uh there was less common ground in the band than there had been when we started in 1981 and all of a sudden the group didn't want to record pre-written songs they wanted to make them up from scratch in a rehearsal room and but that's not the alarm identity we we were always a band that aspired to be like uh or the writers in the band aspired to be 
like the guys in brackets after the song titles, the Morrissey and the Mars and the Joe Strummer and Mick Jones and or the classic Lennon and the McCartney's, you know, the people in brackets after the song title. And that's what the alarms founded on that kind of creativity. So stop that really stop the band dead in its tracks. And, and so when we made the original albums, I, I thought my focus was not as sharp as it usually would have been and I, a lot of my time was spent keeping the band together placating band members making everyone feel happy and involved again at my own expense in a way and so i always felt that that uh, when i look back on those records that, that there was they always felt i always felt that we could have got more out of them and um and so this is my opportunity to see where i could take it starting from just the songs and the story well, I, I just love see where we could go. I love the concept of it as well, and I know that like you know other bands have done this in the past, um, not necessarily with the spoken word in between the tracks, which I love that element element about it. But a, a band I really like is Bon Jovi, and they did a they did an album where they re- reworked all their biggest hits, and it, they sound totally different. Yeah. But it's it's like listening to a new song, so you still have the appreciation yeah, for like, the track, but it's like a new. It's you're listening to it for the first time. I love it. Well, that's what that's what made the Unplugged series so popular on MTV. You were seeing all these artists from massive bands, you know, from Clapton to Nirvana, stripping their music down to the barest of bones, and you'd hear different things in it. And that's that's uh, always what um, we 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 even it's something that we has run through the Alarms history from the beginning. You know, we highlighted it on our Big Night In broadcast last week. You know, when we when we got to the end of the first decade of the Alarms history, we we remade our first single for the Standards compilation album and uh, and we wanted to show how the song stood up 10 years after it had been written because it's always going to be there. That song will always be following us around for the rest of our lives. And, uh, and so it, it doesn't have to just be a song that gets recorded once. It can be uh, like it can get played live in concert many, many times. It can also go into the studio at various times and see how it's going to be treated what what it what it um how it applies in the modern day and age and so that's what we tried to do with stream hurricane of change and and it took on a much more theatrical direction than i imagined i mean the first song that that started it all off was i i I actually had so much material just to to record a basic album and and i thought well if we're gonna lay all this out there's got to be some sort of connection to to this the track listing and and I thought, well, which what was the first song that was actually written of all this period? And and it, it, it was a, a New South Wales was that song. It had been debuted by the Alarm in 1986, but it was never released until 1989. And when it came out in 1989, it was the last song on the Change album. And so I, I picked up those lyrics and and I started there and thought, well, where where if that had been recorded for Hurricane, what would have happened? And I read the lyrics and the, the, the character is, you know, he's leaving the, he's at, walking away from something that's at the end of an era. And uh, he's walking home alone past this church full of mourning souls. And he's thinking, where, where's he going in life? You know, and I sort of looked at the whole lyric and thought, well, where is he going? And I laid all the lyrics for the, the piece out and and, I, and there was one called Newtown Jericho and I thought well that's about a destination so maybe he's going there and as soon as I read that I thought yeah he is this follows on perfectly and that and that opened up this gateway into uh, a whole story that that, I, that was far more autobiographical 
often I'd realised, I think when I was writing the album, because there was a lot of conflict in the band, I was sort of hiding some of myself in the imagery and the, and the lyrics that were being written. I, I wasn't being as open as I, and as I might have been on the Strength album or Declaration. Been a new, there was a new um, atmosphere around the band and, and I had to treat and write lyrics in a different way. And uh, so I think it, there was a lot more of me in the records than I realised at the time. And uh, and so I, I was. It took, and then it, since it's come out, I mean, it came out obviously um, last year here in the UK uh, in the concerts, and um, and I took it out on the road, and it was a magical experience. I had no idea what I was letting myself in for uh, to walk out on stage in front of all the fans that are used to come into a concert and joining in these big alarm rituals and singing along and jumping up and down and making a big noise that's part of the sound of the band to, to walk on in silence and, and in character and speak in the tone of the voice that's on the record was, uh, I think it was quite shocking for a lot of fans at first. It was quite, took me by surprise as well, but it, it, it surprisingly worked much better than any of us anticipated and created some amazing atmospheres at the shows and fans, I think, that we used to, seeing the alarm in this raging atmospheres were actually loved being in absolute silence and, and hearing the chord being spread out or the, the line letting the lyric hang in the air. And it was, um, it turned into a magical experience and we got asked to perform it at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Uh, we got asked to get involved in theatre production of the show. Uh, when we played at the Gathering in Llandidno in January, we, we held it as a piece that was performed by the band but it was a an immersive rock theater experience for the fans because we played the music in amongst all the fans that attended that were at the arena in venue Cymru and they would had been asked to get dressed up in advance so that they were part of the show and they looked like they were part of the storyline and they were involved in certain passages of the music where we had uh, uh, had a Shakespearean actor reading the spoken word parts out in in a very deliberate style and he was took on the role of narrator and he would speak the the story and read the story or narrate it at various points throughout the arena in amongst all the audience and we had uh, a band of actors running through the the arena that were taking that took part in various uh they, they represented the rebecca riots from history and then they came back in as climate change activists we have a reenactment of parliamentary question time with boris johnson and jeremy corbyn on stage doing how the mighty fall and it was uh, an incredible show to be part of and and obviously the lockdowns come now and sort of stop them and the momentum of where that was possibly going but this is the the album this record is a piece that i think i can pick up and put down at various times because it's a scripted piece it it's uh, an entity that moves from start to a begin from beginning to an end it'd be something that i'll pick up at various times maybe it'll be a week when we'll play it or a certain show we'll i can play that concert and and put on the stream a hurricane change show so it, there's a lot to be discovered in the record because it's not just my story that's covered in the record it's the story of everyone who has to leave home to try and find out who they are and to achieve what they want to um, attain in their lives. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing's for certain is this is like nothing else you've ever done before. As you've basically just said there, that it's it's so different to anything that you've that the alarm has done. 
and there's so much you could do with it like you being able to put it down and pick it up again i mean that in itself is is so amazing but um like i i can see like just sit, as a fan just sitting there listening to it I, i'm picturing things and i'm thinking this would actually make a really good biopic kind of like you know the beatles one across the universe where it's like maybe not based strictly on the band but it, it follows a different story you could do so much with it or you could literally focus it on the band i mean would you i, I did hear That's right. I, I did know, hear I... at some point that there was talk of maybe doing like a putting a film to go with the album would you was that something you're still thinking about doing yeah I'm, i've been well to be honest we filmed the the event at the gathering that we created with the the immersive theater experience we filmed that and and it was it was all done a bit last minute so but sadly um the the director uh, who came in to film it he he died a week later oh. uh, all out of the blue and uh it was and we're only just got access to his hard drives for his family now so uh i should hopefully be getting the footage i've got all the audio uh but i should be getting the footage back under control in, in about a week's time and then I'll see what we've got when I look through the rushes and, and we're hoping that because I can't tour the record in the way I would have liked at this point in time um, I can actually uh, create a, an online visual experience that, that can take people into the heart of uh, the stream Hurricane of Change and, and see where where that uh, leads but uh, we did, I did have quite a lot of conversations before the lockdown with theatre group in South Wales about taking the show in there for, for a two-week period to workshop it up and see where we could take it um, in in a strict sort of theatre setting with with um, other maybe characters coming into it, other voices and expanding the storyline a little bit further and um, seeing where it, it could go. So like you say, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot in there that uh, when you bring in a, an artistic director or maybe even another scriptwriter to develop the storyline, uh, um, then it, it could go anywhere. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's an exciting piece uh, to, to have been part of and, and to be a part of all at the same time. Definitely. You mentioned there that you were planning on touring. Um, you had some fantastic places planned, California, Hawaii. Do you plan to pick that up once um, travel is allowed and all the venues are allowed to have people back in next year, maybe? Yeah, we're, we're, we're hopeful that um, we could possibly even think about going back to America in October. Uh, we, we've announced a, um, a, a fair few UK dates for October, November and December um, that we're, we're hoping that we'll be able to play. Um, we, we basically went to all the music promoters that we've worked with and, and created a, a no-risk situation where everybody could, could play uh, and, and be involved in a gig environment at the moment's notice when we all hope that the lockdown gets lifted so and i think everyone's yeah. tolerant if it if it if they have to be moved to next year then we'll we'll, we'll do them then so we 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 had a certain amount of dates on in sale in march um for the alarm and we've moved them to uh november and december and they've carried on selling tickets and all the promoters are amazed because a lot of bands ticket sales dried up for everything but the alarm just kept on going. And a lot of that's down to the connections we were making with the big night in. And we were reassuring the fans that, that we're going to play these shows come what may. Uh, and I think the fans are right, I'm going to get the ticket. And even if it moves to next year, it mean, that just means I'm going then, you know, so uh, there's yeah. a lot of trust and a lot of, we're all taking a bit of a leap of faith going forward because none of us knows how things will be when we can actually play. But, um, 
last summer we did a tour in America called the Sigma Tour, and it was a huge tour uh, for months on end. And um, we, we created these um, experiences before the shows where people were coming in early, uh, 30, 40, 50 people, whatever it was, and, and they spent an hour and to, I could play requests. And we, we set up a, a whole other stage inside the venue um, with a different PA and an acoustic guitar and had a, an MC and an interviewer. And we could share stories, play music, and they turned, there were some amazing events. And I, I think that, that that's how music will come back out in a, in a way that it's um, a little bit like a lot of bands have been doing those kind of things where they have, you know, sound check gigs and different experiences and where, you know, 30, 40 people come in an arena and have dinner before the show and get to see Paul McCartney play three songs, you know. <laughs> and, and I think that, that that's what post-lockdown rock and roll is going to be a little bit like, these sort of intimate experiences. And, and people loved it, you know. It, it, an arena, it can be full with atmosphere and it doesn't have to have people in it you know when we first started touring with U2 and we played some festivals and indoor arenas with them in in Europe Bono's catchphrase we can you know we can or oh, we can turn this arena into a small club by using our you know will to get get across the atmosphere and, <laughs> and that's that's what people can do music can fill rooms it doesn't need to have people in it packed to the roof you know I'm sure you know I'm, I'm a person I, I like going to see bands early and they're life you know my life has been the bands that changed my life like seeing the sex pistols and the clash for the first time they went sold out venues full to the roof there was hardly anyone there but the band was incredible i didn't bother me that it was it was empty spaces in the room you were just seeing something fresh and original and life-changing yeah. in the flesh for the first time and and so i think bands who have got a bit of um a bit about them and artists that have got a bit of artists that have carried on working through the period. And there's a lot we'll be, we'll be ready for when the lockdown comes and we'll, we'll be ready and equipped to deal with it in, in the experience that, that is demanded. And that's what I'm looking forward to because it's going to be different and it's, <laughs> and, the, and this, that's going to be a good thing. Well, that's what one thing that everyone is missing right now is a live show. So I honestly think that that is going to make, at your job so much easier because you'll, you're going to walk on stage and everyone's going to be so happy to see you because they're just able to be at a show <laughs> yeah, on top of being able to see a band they like it's just it's going to be such an incredible experience i think it's going to be amazing and, and uh, you know i just want to be there when it happens so uh, <laughs> i'm ready for it you know and and uh, you know we keep adding dates we, you know we just got added to isla white next summer we've got added a load more dates uh, to a british tour we've got another 10 to announce in the next week or so and um yeah, we're just getting ready for to take it on. You know, get get take life as it comes when when it comes. And uh, I think everybody's of the same frame of mind. We're all just going to make it work, no matter what the situation is. Well, I'm I'm hoping that because I'm hoping to come back home. I was going to come back home to the UK this because I live in Canada uh, this year, but I wasn't able yeah. to. Obviously, I'm hoping to come home next summer. So if if I could get to one of your shows next summer, that would be amazing. And I wanted to come to the last tour that you did in Chicago, but I didn't get a chance to go. Unfortunately, but it's on my list. Uh, so fingers crossed. No, nobody comes here. You missed that night. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, like no one comes to Nova Scotia. So unfortunately, I like literally no one comes here. So I have to. I try and go to as many uh -oh. gigs as I can when I'm home. So if I can add an alarm, <laughs> that would be amazing. You're a long way from home in Nova Scotia. <laughs> we like to come. <laughs> so I seen the music we did, video. We did quite a long tour in Can in 1987, the winter of 87. Well, it might have been 
yeah, 87 into 88, where the Winter Olympics was on. Remember that? And we, and we played right across Canada, and it was uh, it always um, it was uh, very well received that we we played a lot of places like Cal- Calgary and Edmonton and, and all these sort of different places, and uh, it was it was good, you know. It, 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 it's, it resonated well with Canadians, and and uh, we you know uh, of late I've only just been able to get up to play in Vancouver or Toronto and uh, the the sort of capital places, if you like. Um, but we're hoping that, that I'd love to come and be able to do a full Canadian tour, and uh, that'll be great. You know, it's part of the world I've, I've never experienced as much as I would have liked. We we did a tour there with uh, I did a thing when I met Smiley, the alarm drummer. He'd been um, Joe Strummer's uh, drummer in uh, Mescalero, oh, yeah. and uh, when when he died so suddenly, they they wanted to get the his Joe's backing band, the Mescaleros, back together to sort of remember joe and and they were all going yeah but who's gonna sing you know when we all get back and and smiley said i know the guy will do it mike peters will do it and and i did (laughs) agreed to do it and we ended up playing about 10 shows in canada funnily enough and they were amazing you know and they had all all these clash fans joe strummer fans coming out to the gigs and we did a few in britain and um it was it was just they wanted to get together his band just to tell stories, remember Joe, and they needed a gig to do it around, and it was all his original crew. So I was in my element hearing all these Joe Strummer stories and uh, getting to sing a lot of his uh, material that he created post-Clash, as well as songs that he created in the Clash. So it was a a fantastic uh, tour, and uh, and it took us to Canada, which was great. you got to come back then, Mike. (laughs) I will. (laughs) (laughs) So I've seen seen the music video for, um, for Irish Sea, uh, and I was just wondering, like, I mean, first of all, it was a great video. It's very simple, but that, I mean, it just does the job. It's very Coldplay-esque. Um, was it cold that day? Because it looked really cold, and it looked like it may have been raining a little bit as well. It wasn't too bad. It had been raining. And uh, to be honest, we, we we went down and we shot it, and we thought, brilliant. We came back, and then we realised we hadn't got, we hadn't pressed record on the camera. Oh, no. <laughs> we got the start. <laughs> we got the start. And then we go, right, let's take. And then it switched off. And then it switched <laughs> on again when I'd finished it. And we, we and it was such a good first take that we had to go down and do it all again. Oh, that's so, <laughs> so um it, <laughs> it was, but it was it was, a, it was a better take the second time around, I can tell you that. But it was um yeah, it was uh it was it was it was it was an okay it was an okay day. It wasn't as uh, as bleak as it looks, but it was uh it was just right. It was just starting to rain at the t- at the time when it when it I think halfway through the song it starts to rain. That adds to it though. I think that adds to the effect of it all. But that that added to it. You know, he can't the the stream hurricane of change. It is about dealing with the elements and uh, and all that. So you can't pretend they don't exist when you know you can't just uh, go and do the beach on the sunny days. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's uh, you know I'm I'm looking out there now. You know, I'm looking over the horizon. And, See, seeing the that horizon is, is where I've grown up and spent all my adult life, and we're really lucky to have that. You know, you, you, when you live in the city in the centre of a big um, metropolis like London or Manchester, you're so far away from the sea. You, your horizon is narrow. You know, it's, whereas yeah. living here out on the coast, you know, I, I don't even know for my kids. They wake up, and they look out, and they, their eyesight goes far as they want it to go, and that. That's something you can uh, always have. It gives you, it makes you. It's good for the soul when you when you're looking out over that 
every day. Yeah, so true. It's never the same twice. So I struggle to walk up Snowdon, so I'm in awe of some of the treks that you've done. <laughs> Everest, the name of one of you. Um, you. You do that for your Love, Hope, Strength Foundation. And when you were last on, you mentioned that you were potentially going to um, trek somewhere in Iceland and then you had something planned for this year. Is there anything else on the schedule? Yeah, we're going to um, Africa. We're going to hike the, in the Sahara Desert. In next wow. year now, wow. next April. Yeah, we, we were going this, this September, to be honest, but uh, we put it back because of the pandemic uh, situation. But yeah, we've committed to new dates in April and, and it'll be part of the alarm sort of a uh, 40th anniversary year. So it, it'll be, um, it's going to be fantastic to go there. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going it, to, it's all sold out as well. There's had a massive uptake for it because we'll be hiking with a, uh, Bedouin with camels and we're sleeping under the stars. It's going to be wow. an incredible experience, and we'll be able to support Sounds... cancer care in Africa as a result. So it's got um, a lot going for it. So are you going to are you going to oh, film fantastic. that when you when you go like document it via film? Yeah, to be honest, we we we've always filmed everything. Ever since uh, video cameras became available, as microphones, we've documented everything, which is why we've, the Big Night Inn has been such a um, an eye-opener for a lot of the fans because everything, all the major incidents in the 40-year history have all been captured in some way uh, and, and that's the, visual. So um, the, our story is very alive because of that. And um, and so, yeah, we, when we go to uh, Africa, we will obviously film that and share it. We, we filmed the Iceland trek as well. And, and now it's so, if you've got, you know, it's it's so accessible filming because iPhones are amazing now. You know, the, the mobile technology is incredible. These cameras are broadcast quality that are built into uh, Androids and iPhones. And and if you get the sound right and can work on that element, you can create really great films. And uh, so we, we find it quite liberating. It takes a lot of work. And, uh, you know, especially when you're performing or leading the trek and, giving the speeches to actually stop and make sure everything's getting filmed as well. It's a, it's a whole other um, uh, layer of to be involved in. But uh, Jules, my wife, is, is fantastic. She's got a great eye for photography and filmmaking, and she's always documenting everything. And uh, Andy, our tour manager, Andy LeBrow, who helps us with the big night in, he's, he's almost like the, the producer of the show. He, he's, a, he's a professional photographer as well, so... He's always shooting everything as it as it happens. So we're lucky that that we've got <clears throat> such a great team around us in the Alarm family that things get recorded, even when you re- think they're possibly not. Somebody's always got a camera rolling. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be amazing to see once it's done. Um, la- last time you were on, um, I asked you a question. I asked you a question. Tell us something about yourself. No one else knows. And what you told us was that there was one record that you didn't own but you were trying to find and there was only 250 copies of it special edition and it was the the, the album that you sang on the the uh, the big country one the journey and it was the orange vinyl did you manage to find that i'm just curious if you found it or not no it didn't uh, oh. i think it's on ebay at the moment for about i, I even have bruce watson <laughs> from big country on the show and i asked him if he could give me one and he hasn't got one either <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we just we'll have no to content way. ourselves with the um with the regular 
Uh, the, I've got a limited edition red vinyl, but not not the, uh, not the orange, orange vinyl. Well, I, I've, I've looked in four record <laughs> shops so far, and I've like literally I go in. And I'm just going to go in here. My wife says, "What are you looking for now?" Go, it's just it's for my Peters. I just want to see if it's in there. And I, <laughs> I've looked and I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, so it's been I on me mind. Really about three hundred copies made of that. So uh, I should have got them while I was in the band, shouldn't I? <laughs> I was mad not getting them, on, but uh, I should have done. I think I gave mine away to a fan at the time who was desperate to get one. Of them. I'll get one when I go back to the office later. By then, it was too late. It all gone. Oh, well. <laughs> you did a good deed. <laughs> anyway, Mike, we're going to let you go now because I know you've uh, you've got a few more interviews to do today. But um, thank you very much for coming on and uh, talking to us again. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you as always, and uh, we look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Oh, thanks, and good luck in Nova Scotia. We look forward to seeing you there one day. Cheers, Mike. Take it easy. Or next summer in the UK. Fingers crossed. Bye. Bye. Hi there, this is Shelly Thompson, a.k.a. Barb Leahy. And this is Major's Nest Hall. So there was our interview there with Mike, um, and we are just going to move on now. And uh, I didn't tell anybody what I've been up to before the interview, so I'm going to do that now. And um, I don't know if you've seen Craig wouldn't have because he's not he doesn't he's not aware of what's going on around him. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you've probably seen Todd uh, that I, I put a tweet out, and it was just I, I didn't expect anything from it. It was just a harmless question, and it, it went viral. I don't know if you've seen it, but it it was insane. Like, it was a stupid tweet that just went fucking nuts. Which tweet was it? It's I the cloud one. Yes, with the, the cat. Yes. What do you see, a cat or a dog? Yes, yes I saw it. It, it had 18.3 thousand likes, 10.2 thousand wow. comments, and 4.500 share tweet, retweets on it. Wow. That's fucking mental. All it is is a cloud... <laughs> And it looks like a cat. I mean, it to me, it looks exactly like a cat. But it, yeah, but then, cat. but then you can look at it from a different angle. It looks like a dog with its head back, and it, it actually does when you when you point that out, you can see it. So right. I I just posted. I seen it on Facebook and thought oh, I'll I'll post that. And yeah, I asked my coworker Kayla what she thought, and she's like, oh, it looks like a cat. And I was like, well, you know, some people might think look at the dog. Anyway, so I posted it and I just asked, you know, what do you guys think? And it just went fucking nuts. And celebrities have commented on it. Like, does it does a there's a show in the UK called Coronation Street, which I'm sure you've heard of, everyone else. It's like a oh, yeah. soap soap opera. Well, there's a character yes. on that called Tracy Barlow. Her characters, the actress who plays her, has commented on it. It's fucking weird. Oh, and then there's there's radio DJs in the US. Like, I mean, you, I think the state Pacific, so you, specific, so you probably wouldn't know who they are, but I'm just looking through now. But then there's somebody from the American office commented on it. Um, God, what's her name? Um, oh yeah, I, I did see that the comment. Yeah, because uh, I, sh- I I shared that on um, on Facebook because that was like that blew my mind that she actually took the time to comment on it. That was crazy. Um, hold on a sec, let me just um, Angela Kinsley commented on yes. it. Yes, and then from the British office because they all obviously all follow each other. Um, the actress Lucy Davis, uh, who plays Dawn, the receptionist, she commented on it as well. I'm like what the fuck, man? And then somebody else from the UK office commented on it because she commented on it, and it's just. Because these people have commented on it, it's gone even more so. You know, like Garfield was trending in Canada 
because people <laughs> it does look a little bit like Garfield. The, the actually actually Garfield was and I screenshot it, it was in, in the trending topics. Garfield was trending. That's how fucking crazy it went. And then I had t- two news, uh, two news like outlets. I don't know. I don't, I don't know who they were because it was just people wanting to uh, want to do a story on it. And I'm like, I can't give you permission because I didn't take the picture. And they're like, oh, where, where did you get the picture from? And I'm like, well, I just found it. I said, just do a Google search. I'm sure you'll find it. It's not my image. Oh, okay, thanks. We'll do that. But like a fucking news article's reaching out to me. And then I seen on Facebook, people had screenshotted from Twitter, like radio stations, and posted it on their page with my name on it. Saying, what do you guys think? And then, oh, it's just crazy. It's stupid. Why can't one of our good tweets go viral? <laughs> yeah, some original content that we actually come up with. Yeah. People are like, oh, okay, that's cool. But look at this fucking cat cloud. Holy shit. I had to like, <laughs> I had to mute my Twitter in the end because it, my phone couldn't handle the amount of like retweets and likes that it was getting. The notifications, it couldn't keep up with it. So the app actually cr- crashed to the point where like when you'd go on it, it nothing would load. Like no pictures or images would load. You know, I, so I had to go on my phone browser on Twitter to go on Twitter. It, it just wouldn't work. It wasn't having any of it. So it's uh, like when Bertie, Bertie sends you messages, basically. It was almost as bad as when Bertie sends you messages, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm just joking. I love you, Bertie. And Mike B was supposed to be with us today. Right. He'd, he'd agreed to come on, and then he he couldn't in the end. And he's, he's been texting me all day about how sorry he is. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, his last text here is, uh, thanks, bro. I feel like a dick for passing on a great opportunity. My eldest daughter uh, is laid out with a stomach ailment of some sort. Murphy's Law, and it's like Mike. It's fine. It's not. I just. I asked if you were free. It's no big deal. Like so, Mike. I know you're listening. Hope your daughter's feeling better. Don't fucking worry about it. If something comes up, something comes right. up. We not, don't. Not saying this is the situation with Mike B, but normally in my experience, if somebody continues to apologize, they're full of shit. Because yeah. um, <laughs> if if something happens and you apologize. And someone says, oh, it's okay. Then you're like, okay. And you let it go. If you're making something up and you apologize, and someone says, oh, okay. Then you're like, shit, did they really buy that? Or did they just say, okay. And are they ma-? So then you keep apologizing, hoping to cover your ass and like cover your story. And then people are finally, they get to the point where like, I said, it's okay. Drop it. And they're like, no, no, you're right. So it's the guilty conscious that keeps people apologizing. So yeah, that's true. Not, yeah, yeah. Again, not saying that that's, that Mike B doesn't <laughs> legitimately have something going on. But I'm just saying, in my experience, yeah, uh, when people have done that to me, it's always been. I found out later, like they say, "Oh no, I'm, my 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 mom is sick. I'm taking care of her," and then you like turn on the TV and they're at like a ball game, and you're like, "You could just fucking tell me you went to the ball game. You don't want to hang out with me, dude." It's like I'm not going to be. I'm I'm not five. I'm not going to cry about it. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know. Just be honest. <laughs> That's yeah. the best thing to do. Like I, I can respect honesty. I can't respect like shady shit where people tell me one thing and then I see him doing something else and I'm like that motherfucker yeah you know. exactly yeah so uh, we do have some questions because before I jumped on I was like shit we've got nothing planned here we're just going to be we're just going to jump on and do nothing so I actually asked uh, Twitter if they had any questions for us and because they only just did it like there's only a few but we've got some questions here so let's just oh nice a, let's have a look what we've got so we have um, what do you do to keep yourself entertained during isolation so for me uh it's the, the podcast really i mean that's that's it aside from work i still obviously go to work as we all do um it would be this podcast there's not really a lot else. Aside from watching tv and the, the kids keep me pretty busy 
But uh, just for me personally, my downtime is doing a podcast. So, how about you guys? Playing video games. Playing video games. Yeah. Would you want to expand on that? What video games? Jesus. I'm not mentioning everything, just video games. Well, but just name one <laughs> game that you're on at the moment. Oh. I'm playing well, on the Switch lately. You've got a Nintendo Switch? Yeah. Aren't they for children? No, anyone can have them. <laughs> okay. Well, what games <laughs> do you play on that then? Uh, oh. I'm playing Streets of Rage 4. Fucking hell. Is that new out? Newish. Is it? Yeah. Can you do two player on it? Yeah. Via the internet? Yes. Should I get one to join <laughs> you? What? Should I get a Switch with that game to join you? You can get it for the Xbox as well. But if I get it for the Xbox, <laughs> I can't play with you on the Switch, can I? I am going for the Switch, yeah. I just said to you what game you're playing on the Switch. <laughs> you won't be able to afford the Switch. I won't be able to afford the Switch. Why not? I don't know. Expense. <laughs> but how do you know how much money I've got? What? How do you know how much money I've got? I don't know. You, you, never, you, never, you never buy any games for your Xbox and you're never on it. That's because I'm not asked. It's not because I can't afford it. I work more hours than you do. If you've got a Switch, I can get one. Get one now? <laughs> <laughs> but hang on, you've got Streets of Rage for the Xbox, haven't you? Not, not, not the newest one. I have on my Switch. You just, you just said that you had, you just said that you had Streets of Rage for the Xbox. No, I said you can get it for the Xbox. Right. Oh, okay. So you've got. You just done a commercial for the Xbox Streets of Rage. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you own Streets of Rage Four for the Switch, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you can get it on the Xbox. So if I get it on the Xbox, are you? Can you get it on there as well, or are you not interested in playing with me? Well, I don't really want two versions. So I'd rather have for the Switch. Fucking hell! So yeah, you can't be asked playing with me. Fine. Jesus Christ! <laughs> the long short of it is, nah, I can't be bothered. Give up playing online with you anyway, because you're never fucking on it for long. <laughs> because I'm busy doing this shit, editing mm-hmm. and stuff. It takes up all my time, mate. Fucking pod. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. oh. Right. Fuck. Okay. So, Jesus, that was just one question. What about you? You haven't even answered it, Todd. Uh, well, I, I spend time with my kids. I work. I um. I hope to get back into working out, which is one of my passions now that the gyms are trying to like relax some things. And I've been playing video games as well. I got my Xbox One and I picked up Madden 20, the new Madden game. And as a matter of fact, I did a a thing on it today, one of the missions, and I picked up the Cincinnati Bengals number one draft pick, Joe Burrow, on my team today. So I'm really excited about that because, of course, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. So <laughs> have now you got... that I have Joe Burrow, it's it's just makes it all that much better. If you've got an Xbox One, then have you got um, Red Dead Redemption Two? I do not, and I, I can't be bothered to buy it. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm trying to think of a game we can all play together. I, I only have like four games for it because Heather bought it for me for Christmas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I remember now. So, um, and I've been I played a Star Wars game on it, and I played Destiny Two. 
and now I've been playing Madden 20, and I got like some other free game that I downloaded for like pinball because I'm a big pinball fan. But the pinball is like, it's it's lame because it's pinball. It's it's it, well, it's pinball. But then like they have all these cool tables, and I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. Let me play on that one. And then it's like, to play on this table, you must buy the bundle, and it's twenty bucks to buy the bundle. It's like the fucking game was two ninety nine. I'm not paying twenty dollars just for a goddamn table within the game. You know, pinball. if I would have wanted that, I'd have I'd have played the whole god. I'd have bought the whole goddamn, you know, the the bundle with all the tables on it. That's stupid. Shit. Anyway, pinball. Yes, it's a classic game. You know me. I'm a I'm a big fan of games, and and I'm a big gamer. So pinballs where gaming got its start. So right. Well, why not? Craig, not pinball. Craig, do you think is it worth trying to convince Todd to buy Red Dead Redemption Two so we can all go on it? I wouldn't bother. I oh, actually fucking hell. Mine. <laughs> what? I installed my game. You've uninstalled it. Yeah. Why? Well, I'll, I'll never, I won't be playing story mode ever again because it pissed me off because it was too stressful. <laughs> Why? And because it was pissing me off. Like, like the mechanics in the game was shit. And uh, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the, with the story of online, but online has apparently been atrocious. Uh, past, <laughs> well, at the start of this year. Why? Uh, I was... I, I, I last played on it like a few weeks ago and I just got disconnected straight away and it's stuff like that is, does me head in. Alright, so fuck that then. Jesus, I'm trying to like get myself into gaming here and the two of you couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, Red Dead Redemption looked like a decent game. It was. I've just, I've just never, uh, I oh. just never bothered to buy it. Story mode was great. We all have to fork out to get the fucking newer consoles. I know. I'm thinking about getting a PS5. You know. Yeah, I've seen the uh, yeah. latest and greatest uh, pictures of the PS5. It looks kind of like a space age. It's weird. Um, yeah, it's just weird looking. It looks like a fucking binder. <laughs> yeah, like a trapper keeper. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Xbox looks like a fucking tower. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new Xbox as well? What's that called? Xbox One X Series, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I might have to tap out yeah. of Xbox and go back to Pit PlayStation, I think. I don't know yet. I haven't decided. Um, okay, so the next question here. Jesus, that was just one. Okay, now, here's a quick one, Craig. <laughs> just, I'll ask you this one. Do fish get thirsty? Well, they're in water anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I don't know if they drink. Does fish drink? I don't know if they drink even, do they? I don't think they drink like we do. I think it just goes... I think it just, I I think it just filters through them. Yeah. I don't, think they, I don't think they get thirsty. No, okay, well, there you go. There's your answer to that one. Okay, so this one is for all of us. Do you believe in ghosts? Very quickly. Craig? Well, I've had weird things happening in this house, like uh, random things switching off, switching on. <laughs> really? Yeah, like uh, my Xbox has been doing weird things. My Xbox on. turns on every back on Xbox again now, but my Xbox turns <sighs> on every day. I don't know why. Is there something? Is there a setting on it? I've got set. It turns itself well, on. It shouldn't have. Mine switches on. My, my yeah, mine yes, it actually switched itself off on its own <laughs> while I was playing a game. <laughs> it was probably overheated because you're never off the fucking thing. No, it was only, it was only like it was only switched off like half an hour or something like that. 
Well, mine turns itself on. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it does that. I don't know if there's a setting on it to stay. I don't. I don't know, but it's always on. Well, I read about it. It could be anything. We fluff touching the sensitive button or anything. Yeah, it's it's fucking weird. So anyway, ghosts, Craig. Uh, I don't know. A mixed feeling. Well, what games? What games does your ghost like to play then? Jesus. Nothing. Just switch. It's just my Xbox does weird stuff. Fucking hell. Okay, so you don't know. You're in the middle. You don't know if there is or not. Yeah. Okay, Todd. Um, I will have to say, me personally, yes. Do you want to expand on that? Um. Well, I've had I've had some paranormal encounters with things. Yeah. So, I have a few long. Of course, you know me. Anytime I try to tell even a quick story, I give all the back information. It turned into a twenty-minute event. So, <laughs> um, I'll I'll spare everybody and just say that I've had some weird encounters with things, and I've actually seen um, a ghost. And, wow. But when I when I when I worked at Ross Manor people were dying all the time there because it was a retirement community and um i had people and things happen when i was a maintenance man like i'd be up on a ladder and i had this one resident who whenever i was up on a ladder he'd come by and grab the ladder and shake it when he was in his wheelchair and he'd go oh you're gonna fall and like mess with me and then one day after he died it was like three days later and i was up on a ladder changing a light bulb and the ladder shook like he used to do it and i looked down looked all around and there was like nobody around me and then I just said, oh, okay, Henry, I know you're here, bud. Th- thanks for messing with me. And then, like, every once in a while, that would happen. And so I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. But Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, but there's a, a many, many other events, but I'll, I'll spare you. We'll save you for we the have... Halloween special. Right. Sometime we have more time, I'll, I'll tell them. Yeah, excellent. Uh, for me, no, because I, as I've said before, I'm an atheist, so for me to go... Uh, I don't believe in God. Yeah, I believe in ghosts. It doesn't make sense. And it, I, I'm right behind science. And until it's proven to me, I can't. There has to be another explanation for it. Well, I think mostly ghosts are just energy. Like, you know, it goes back to the whole physics and science thing. When when you die, yeah, your your body decomposes and it just gets released. Like, matter is neither created nor destroyed. So it just changes states of matter. Yeah. So it just turns into a gas or a liquid or, you know, and then... But I, so, I get, uh, that's, I get that's what that. I think ghosts are. We have I don't thing- think there's like a solid being that like comes walking by and. No, no, I, I, I get that, but like we, we have, we have things to measure energy and tell things like that, and science can't back it up at all. There's no, there's no, there's nothing. We had, we've got nothing to say that that is is the case at all. If it was, I feel like we'd know it was by now. I feel like science would have already said this. We know that there's definitely something after you die, and we've not had any of that. So until we do. I can't get behind it. I just can't. Well, if, if someone could figure out how to make money off a ghost, we'd find out tomorrow. Yes. There'd be ghosts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. The Ghostbusters would, would exist. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much your brain can do to trick you. So you and that's, that's the true. thing. Like, you, there's, there's so much the human. Don't never underestimate your own brain. It, like, it can do a lot of things to convince you that something's actually just happened. And, it, in fact, it was nothing. Like a, a, a big one for me is that like when people get their camera out and they film and they see like a little tiny tuft of dust float past the camera, they automatically oh, go, it's an orb. It's not a fucking orb. It's a piece of dust that's in the air that you can't see. If you get your camera phone right now and turn off all the lights in the room that you're in 
and you start filming with with the flashlight on your camera, you will get those those in, in quotation marks orbs come up on you because it, it's dust right. that's naturally in the air that you can't see, but your camera picks it up because the, the light from your flashlight on the camera is shining directly on it, and your camera picks it up. That's the reason why you get these orb things. And sometimes when you take a picture, your flash goes off. There's what you would consider an orb. It's not a fucking orb. It's it's a it's a piece of dust or some shit that's in the air. That's all it is. Again, if it was something sp- like paranormal, we'd know about it. They'd be able to tell. They they would know what that was in, in the image. They they would have an idea of where it came from, and it's literally never been proven. So I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for for science to tell me that it was real. And it hasn't happened yet. So please don't repeat any of this to Dick Johnson because I don't want to lecture. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. You don't want to get on Dick's bad side. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's pretty much it for the questions we've got. Um, there's really not that much else to add. We can start wrapping up the episode unless you two have got anything else you want to add. No. Uh, not really. I'm not not this time around. Yeah, I know. He's usually so talkative. I know. It's what I thought. I thought he'd have a lot of shit to say. <laughs> God, he's not even laughing, is he? He doesn't care. You're lying down again. No. sitting on the couch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, right. Well, we can wrap it up then. So, okay. <laughs> you can go to our website, which, again, it's still not been revamped yet, but it's it's coming, so just bear with us. It's uh, majorsmessel.com, and there's links to basically everything on there. Um, most importantly, I would say, is the, the merchandise tab on there. You can click on that. It'll take you through to teespring.com. We have a storefront there, and it's got T-shirts. It's got hoodies. It's got, like, female T-shirts as well, as well as just regular T-shirts. It's got uh, bags. You can get like, a tote bag on there. You can get mugs, Majors Messel mug. And I'm working on a poster at the moment to try and get some sort of a poster done to put on there as well that you can buy and stick it in a frame if you wanted to. So, and uh, yeah, so go to majorsmesshall.com for that. Our Instagram is um, at messhall podcast. Our Twitter is at majorsmesshall. Our Facebook, you just search Facebook and you search Majors Messhall on Facebook and you'll find us. And our Patreon page, if you want to become a patron, is patreon.com forward slash majorsmesshall. Who's fucking with the mic? Mate. What? what are you doing? I'm just getting it ready to put away. See, look, I hate this. He's, he's dead. Like, he just wants to go. Like He wants no messing. He just wants to go. Just, okay, no. just a quick reminder. Anybody who buys a t-shirt or any kind of apparel, make sure you take a picture wearing it and send it to us so we can put it on our page. Yes. Uh, appreciate, appreciating fans who buy our stuff. We'll, yeah, pl- we'll please make do. you famous. Yeah, and, and like if you don't if you don't want to be in the picture, that's cool. Just take a picture of the T-shirt, shows that you bought one, and we'll, you know, we'll tag you in it. And if you don't mind, we'll oh, share we, the picture. So we can blur your face out. It's okay. Yeah, we can put we can put like you know a, a picture of like Pistol Pete over your face if you want. We'll do something <laughs> if you don't want to be seen. We'll we can cover you up with something. So yeah. Well, we can we can always use my face from the uh, the blow up doll challenge. So <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. Um, which you were the only one that took part in that as well. I was the only one that took part of it. Since it was going to be a big thing, and then I'm the only guy, haha, I'm the, the butt of the joke, but I don't care. So. Oh, Christ. <laughs> okay, yeah, so we are going to go now. We will be back. Should we announce who our guests are? Because we've already done it, so we, it's not like it's not going to happen. It's already yeah. happened. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes, and yeah, announce who we've talked to. Okay, so we, we spoke to um, a very young actor. 
who uh, most people will know who his dad is, but you one day you, you're bound to know who he is because he's very talented. His name is Vox Smith, and he is the son of Mike Smith, who's best known for playing Bubbles on the Trailer Park Boys. So his mum actually reached out to me and, and said, you know, you should have Vox on the, on the show. And I was like, yeah, we'd love to. So he's only nine. He's, only, he's, he's 10 in August. And so he's, but he's done quite a lot. You know, he's been in the Trailer Park Boys cartoon and the show itself, and he's done a couple of other little things as well. He's won some awards. So, yeah, we brought him on, and me and Todd had a chat with him the other day, and it was fantastic. And that's going to be our next episode that comes out. It's it's literally just an episode um, with his interview on it. So that, I'm looking forward to putting that one out. And then the following episode, which was a complete fluke, we've been trying to get him for a long time, but it randomly happened directly after we had Vox on. Mike Smith actually came on and spoke to us and gave us the interview that we've been trying to get for a long time. Um, he's just so busy that it slips his mind and, you know, things come up, and I don't like to bug him, so... It kind of just gets left by the wayside. But, yeah, because we had Vox on, he sent me a message, like, directly after, just saying, do you guys want to talk to me? And I'm like, shit, we've got nothing written down. Normally we have questions. <laughs> we try and come up with ten questions each and then plus some other questions, you know, like the top five we do. We didn't have any of that. So we just I asked Todd, I was like, can you jump back on? And he's like, yeah, man, definitely. So we jumped on and we spoke for, like, 45 minutes to Mike. So we got that one coming up after. I was going to do them on both on the same episode, and I was like, no, I think Vox should have his own episode. So... Yeah, do Vox. I, think, I think that was a good idea that when you made that decision, I think it's good to showcase him in his own episode. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what it was supposed to be. So and I'm, and it was, um, uh, you know, Mike Smith verified that we did the first ever interview with Vox Smith, the first interview he's ever done. Yes. So someday when he's famous, you'll hear the interview from him on Major's Mess Hall first. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, he did really well. Like, he, I was a bit he nervous because he's only nine. I was like, how's this going to go? But, like, absolutely superb. He's natural in front of the, the camera or the microphone, whatever you want to say. Like, he's, he's just oh, a yeah. great performer. So, yeah, it was wonderful. So, we'll put that one out first and then the following week we'll do Mike, put Mike's episode out. We're, we're looking forward to that. The biggest regret of having Mike on, well, not regret of having him on, but the biggest regret afterwards was for me was that we didn't really tell him much about how we got started as a podcast, and I think that would have been quite nice to say, you know, this podcast exists yeah, there, because there was of a lot you guys. Of stuff I wanted. Exactly. There was a lot of stuff I wanted to touch on, but, of course, when you get three minutes to prepare... Yeah, we literally like... had no time. <laughs> we asked him the top five, which was great, because his answers were wonderful, but... Oh, yeah, like, he had some amazing answers. Other than that, like, we were just on the spot, and we had, we talked to him, and it was nice, because we just had a random conversation, with like you would with anyone else. It wasn't... It didn't feel scripted, if you like. I mean, Want of a better term, but it was yeah, it was nice, it was good. So I'm looking forward to putting that one out, and then we're going to try and chase the other two, see if we can get Rob and JP on. But I, I mean, I don't know, don't know about those. Mike seems more willing to kind of do that sort of stuff, and I and I I know Mike as well, so it that obviously helped. But yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll go for JP next and see if we can get him on. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, he seems like a pretty laid back, easy going guy. I mean, they all do, but yeah. I think I think JP would probably be easier to get than Rob Wells at this well, point. Like, I, I've, I've, I've never asked Rob direct, and I'm sure he'd say yes, but I have asked JP a few times, and the last time he asked him, he was like, yeah, man, we'll do it, and you can come on our podcast. And I mean, he was drunk at the time, so <laughs> it's a little <laughs> well, bit the, different when catch, people are drunk. But We'll catch him when he's drunk, and we'll have a 40-minute chat with him. Yeah, exactly, like we yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah. Well, we, no, I mean, I'll, I'll chase it up, and we'll see if we can get him on. He's, he's a really nice guy, as they all are, so you never know. I mean, right. Mike, Mike was kind of like, when I asked Mike last year, Mike was like, yeah, I'll do it. He's like, I don't know if the other two will, but I definitely will. So with him saying that, I was like, mm, well, if anyone would know them, it would be him. So for him to say, I don't think, I don't know if they will, I'm just going to try anyway. What have we got to lose? Sure. 
you know. So anyway, yes, yeah, so we've got two really good interviews coming up, and then there's all the ones in the pipeline that aren't set up yet, and uh, some like really big names, and we just we just hope it pulls off. We're not going to mention who they are yet, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Craig, are you looking forward to it? Yeah. Oh, Christ. Well, listen. When I think for the Mike episode, we will do a. Um, we haven't really talked about the Trailer Park Boys season two of the cartoon yet. So if you haven't watched it, watch it just so we can have a chat about it. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll make it a little bit of a Trailer Park Boys special. Maybe we'll take some questions from the listeners, and you know, maybe even bring some listeners on. We'll make it like you know a bigger episode as opposed to a smaller one, and yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, it sounds good because it's a big deal. So I mean, it's we a big might as well deal. It's a very it. big deal for us. Like this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for people like Mike. We we, we exactly. know each other because of Trailer Park Boys. So it's yeah, it's important. It's important that we do something for it. So excellent. Okay, guys. Well, take it easy. Have a nice weekend, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Probably probably going to be next weekend. We're going to need to record because okay. I want to get I want to get the Vox one out. So we need an intro and outro for that as well. So okay, great. See you later, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.